Well, hey, Velocity, I am excited about today because today you're going to hear from my good friend, Pastor Josh Mingle. Pastor Josh leads an incredible church, Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington. He's a phenomenal preacher. He's an even better friend. And I know you are going to be blessed by his message today. I'm sorry I can't be with you, but I know that you're going to get so much out of the message. So I would just ask that you would lean in just like I was there. Take notes. Say amen. God is going to move in your life through this message. It's going to be helpful. I can't wait for you to hear my friend. Would you give it up for Pastor Josh Bingle? Hey, hello, Velocity Church. Really glad to be with you here today. My name is Josh, and I get to pastor a church in Spokane, Washington called Genesis Church. We're about to celebrate 11 years as a church coming up, 11 years of God's faithfulness. And I have been friends with your pastors for a good long while now. We've had the opportunity to serve together in a lot of different environments. I love you, Pastor Justin and Marissa. Pastor Justin... You are one of my best buds. We talk regularly. You are encouraging. You are wise. You are smart. You are funny. And you're learning how to golf in Jesus' name. Like you have to golf to be a real pastor. It's in the handbook. And so I'm glad that you're finally joining the good side with us. Uh, Marissa, my wife, Carly, and I, we love you. We love watching you continue to step out into who God has called you to be. And you just keep taking steps of faith and you are growing and we love you and you bless us. And I love your kids who are getting so big. We met when, when Pippa was just not even born yet. And so we love your family. Greetings from the great Northwest. We're gonna jump into the text today. You guys did not come here. You didn't log on to YouTube. You didn't show up in your car to just hear a TED Talk. You came to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit through the living word of God. That's what I believe about you, Velocity Church. And I love something A.W. Tozer said. He said, the power of the word of God is not that it was spoken, but that it is still speaking. That's the power of the word of God that is still speaking us to us today. It's not just some document that's kind of some rules for life. It is literally the voice of God, the word of God speaking to us, informing our politics, informing our relationships, informing our coming and our going, informing everything that we do. It's the very breath of God at work in us. And so that's what I believe about you, that you came to preach back, that you came to holler back. Somebody's preaching back in the comments saying, amen right now. That's what I believe about you. Let's go into the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is anyone in Christ? That's you. You are in Christ. Once you have said yes to Jesus, repented of your sin, received him as Lord and Savior, you are now, your new position is in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we love that verse. It's so full of truth. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have been given, I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You ever wanted to be in ministry? Guess what? 
When you said yes to Jesus, you were drafted into ministry. You are in ministry, in specifically the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Paul defines what this ministry is in verse 19. That is, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to him, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What's in your mouth? The message of reconciliation. What's the message of your life? The message of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. This is heavy. God making his appeal to the world through us. I read this hundreds of times growing up. I'm a pastor's kid, shout out PKs, hundreds of times, but it just hits different to me right now that God is making his appeal to the world through us. If you're like me, you might be sitting there being like, I've been knowing Jesus for like 18 seconds. Maybe you're like, I've been knowing Jesus for like 30 years, but I know what kind of like train wreck I can be at times. I know what a dumpster fire it is up here in my own brain. God, please pick somebody else to make you, you're making your appeal to the world through me. Nope, skip, pick Pastor Justin, pick Pastor Andrew. They can do it, not me. My friend, you, God is making his appeal to the world through you. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador with the message of reconciliation in your mouth. So he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then verse 21, one of my favorite scriptures in in all of scripture, verse 21, for our sake, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. It's talking about Jesus, the Jesus who knew no sin, the perfect, the spotless lamb, the lamb of God sacrificed for our sins. He made him who knew no sin to become sin that you might become the righteousness of God. My friend, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation and you are an ambassador for God. God making his appeal to the world through us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, help me. I love your word and I love Velocity Church. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would take your words, you sow them deep into our hearts. They would change us, they would shape us, they would mold us, that you would do what you say you do to sanctify us, to make us look more like Jesus. We wanna look more like him when we leave our time together than when we walked in. So lead us into all wisdom. Lead us into all understanding. Unveil Jesus for us. Help us see him. Jesus, you said that if we've seen you, we've seen the Father. And God, we just wanna honor you with everything in our lives. We pray above all else that in our time here together, God, you are glorified in Jesus' name. Velocity Church, sip. Amen. Ambassadors of reconciliation. There are, there are a couple major metaphors that scripture uses for believers. There are many of them, but in the New Testament, two of them specifically are both ambassadors and soldiers. Now I tend to be more to, to the soldier side. I was really into G unit in college. What a, what a weird thing to say, but I, I fancied myself as a soldier. 
And I can find myself at times caught, and maybe, maybe you can relate to this, caught between these two metaphors that scripture uses for me of an ambassador and also a soldier. Because we just read 2 Corinthians 5, but 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for pulling down strongholds. He continues and he says that we cast down, we take thoughts captive that are contrary to God. We, like like there's, there's, Ephesians chapter six talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Like juxtaposed against this idea of being an ambassador is that you also are a soldier and you are pulling down ideologies and strongholds and things that have tried to establish themselves in the high places against the knowledge of God. And if you're like me, sometimes I feel caught in this tension of, of living like an ambassador, but also swinging my sword like a soldier. Like when I look out into the world and I see things that I disagree with, policies, people, you name it, social media, watching the news, whatever it is, if you're like me, you, you can kind of look around and just be like, hmm, I, I, dis, I disagree, hmm, uh, I disagree. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I disagree. And, and in this cultural moment, we are so rife with disagreement. It's almost as if there's this big giant chasm that you can draw a line in any different way you want to do it, religiously, philosophically, politically, however you want to do it. We are really good at organizing ourselves against people that are different than us. And so, yes, you're a soldier, but you're also an ambassador. And yes, you're an ambassador, but you're also a soldier. And this text in Acts chapter 17 came alive in me as I was trying to navigate, I was trying to get the wisdom of God of how do I, Jesus, you, call, you said that I am an ambassador of reconciliation, that God, you're making your appeal to the world. What appeal? Paul defines it in 2 Corinthians 5, the appeal that God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So how, how do I do that? How do I fulfill the great commission, which says that I'm to go into all the world and make disciples? baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that you have commanded us to do. How do I do that when it seems as though our world is becoming more and more disagreeable? Families are being separated, father from son, brother from brother. Workplaces are more and more divided. Our political landscape is becoming more and more divided and hostile. You know this. I don't need to tell you this. I'm just trying to paint a picture. A question of God, how do I live as an ambassador of reconciliation? Also recognize that I'm to tear down ideologies and strongholds because that's what you are. You're a soldier against ideologies, but you're an ambassador to people. What I started to find in myself is that I got those two things flipped. Is that I became an ambassador for my ideologies and I started to make enemies out of people. And when we see soldiers and ambassadors, soldiers is against ideas and strongholds. To me, in my estimation, soldiers, I'm a soldier protecting my own mind, protecting my own heart, casting down imaginations, taking every thought captive that's contrary to the life and nature of God, but that I can never forget that I am an ambassador to people. People are not the enemy. Start asking this question, God, how do I disagree well? How do I live out my call as an ambassador of reconciliation to a world full of things that I 
very often disagree with, that I see as contrary to the life and nature that you placed in us. God, you had a very specific vision for human flourishing in your world. How do I go to those people? How do I not stay content to just stand on my side over here in this chasm between us? How do I live in a way that I'm not just content enough to stay on my side and say, I'm right, I got it dialed. And as soon as they figure it out, then they can come over here. But God, how do I do what you told the disciples to do in Mark chapter four, which is to go to the other side and go to them with the gospel. That's my wrestle. And it led me to this text in Acts chapter 17. I'm gonna talk to us about being ambassadors. How do we disagree well? Paul had a doctrine of disagreement. I wonder if you knew this. Because if you're going to be somebody who fulfills the Great Commission, you have to go into all the world. You know what's out in all the world? People who are different than you. People who think differently than you. I know this is like a stunning assertion and some of your minds were just blown that there's people in the world who are different than you. But that's, that's what I was processing is how do I go into all the world? When I go into all the world, there are gonna be people who not only disagree, they're gonna be people who are openly hostile to the things of God. What do I do? There's this desire in me to take a stand for truth. There's a desire in me to take a stand for your church, to take a stand for your word. God, I love your word. I love your church. I love your truth. The truth that you spoke to us all through scripture. And I know that it is the only way that humans can flourish. So what do I do when I go into all the world and I disagree? That's the needle that we're trying to thread here. Acts chapter 17, we see Paul going into the city of Athens. I'm gonna give you a doctrine of disagreement, how to disagree well. Acts chapter 17, verse 16, scripture says, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, who was he waiting for? He's waiting for his team. He caught an earlier flight or something. They got delayed. The weather was bad in Denver. Who knows? The weather's always bad in Denver. It seems like when I'm trying to fly through. Acts 17, 16, Paul, while he was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Paul is sitting in Athens, minding his business, waiting for the rest of his team to show up. And his spirit was provoked within him. This is not a little thing. This is not, oh, uh, uh, just kind of like a little bother. This was his spirit was provoked. The Holy Spirit started to minister to me through this because when I look into my city, when I look into my personal relationships, when I look into the world that God has called me to reach, there are things that grieve me in my spirit. One of the reasons I believe that we get so passionate about the truth and we get so passionate and wanting to take a stand is because it truly grieves our spirit when we see people living in ways that God, God said that if you would live according to his word, that you will have peace and you will have joy. Your soul will prosper. So my spirit is grieved when I look into the world and I, and I see things that are contrary to the life and nature of God. So, his spirit is provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. Verse 17 says, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. 
Verse 18, some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. So I want, I want to notice Paul and his doctrine of disagreement. That's what we're going to call this. The first thing he does, spirit is provoked within him because of the idol worship that he sees. And he knows that there's this desire in the Athenian people to commune with God and connect with God. There's a desire in all of us to commune with our creator. And they were trying to fill that God-sized hole with other things. And he sees the idol worship, grieved in his spirit. So here's what he does not do. It's a cautionary tale. When he disagreed with non-believers, he did not run to Twitter. He didn't run to Facebook. He didn't jump up in someone's comment section. He starts reasoning in the synagogue. Starts having conversations. He goes to the place of spiritual authority. He recognizes that this is an issue of spiritual authority. He recognizes the difference between being an ambassador and being a soldier. What's grieving him in is his spirit. And what he recognizes that, that there's a war that needs to be fought here against some ideologies, but the war is not with people, it's with the ideologies. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go reason. I am an ambassador. And that word reason is literally argue. It means to engage in mutual pondering. That's a good definition of arguing, to engage in mutual pondering. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews. He goes to the place of spiritual authority and in the marketplace every day, it spills out into the marketplace. This reasoning, these conversations with people, it's spilling out into the marketplace. Verse 18, some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? And others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. Why? This is the end of verse 18. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So what do I do? I look into the world. I want to take a stand for truth. I want to take a stand for the church, when, I, when I'm disagreeing with non-believers, when I'm disagreeing with people who don't call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, because Paul has a very different doctrine of disagreement when it's a believer and when it's a brother. But, but a, what I want to talk about is, is being an ambassador of reconciliation and living out the Great Commission. What do I do when I disagree with non-believers? Some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Here's what I want to help you with. If you're going to be an ambassador to people who are different than you, number one, you got to be unoffendable, bro. You just have to know that as someone who is living out the Great Commission, disagreeing well, look how Paul disagrees. His doctrine of disagreement, his actions, how he does it. You have got to have a thick skin and a soft heart. It's one of my favorite working definitions of being unoffendable, a thick skin and a soft heart. Because look what happens. Paul starts reasoning and conversing. And some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers say, what does this babbler wish to say? They start lobbing, name calling. You've seen this in Facebook feeds. This is, this is hilarious to me. When people who call on Jesus as Lord and Savior jump into someone's comment section. Notice Paul didn't jump into anybody's comment section, but we tend to do that on the internet. He jumps into someone's comment section 
And it's funny to me when non-believers, or pardon me, when believers who have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and please hear this with as much grace as I can muster, start jumping into people's comment section and arguing, and then someone like tosses a name out at them and they, we like start jumping back out and like, no, you're the babbler. I'm not the babbler, you're a babbler. And if you don't like it, you can, you can unfollow me. This is my page. You can unfollow this comment section if you want. Like at what point has anybody ever hit their knees and said, I need Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me because a Christian who represents Jesus hopped into someone's comments and then when somebody called him a name, when someone disagreed vehemently with them, they just tossed out, a, if you don't like it, you can unfollow me and this is my page. That's a little direct. I apologize. You can email Pastor Justin. But you gotta be unoffendable. You gotta have a thick skin and you gotta have a soft heart because you gotta know that when you are going into the world, there are, there are powerful forces of darkness that do not want you living out your life and living out your call as an ambassador of reconciliation. So you gotta be unoffendable, man, because you are walking into a war zone and you have to remember that, that, that you have to be careful, I should say, not to make friends out of your ideologies and enemies out of people. That in this, Paul is so focused on keeping the gospel central. What grieves him is idols. But what he starts talking about is the gospel of Jesus. So number one, you gotta be unoffendable. Number two, at the end of verse 18, scripture says, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Number one, you gotta be unoffendable. Number two, you got to keep the gospel at the center. Not only do you have to be unoffendable, you have to work on having a thick skin and a soft heart. If you're going to if you're going to live out this ministry of reconciliation that you have been given to, that's been given to you. Thick skin and a soft heart. Number 2, how do we do it? We got to keep the gospel central. What grieved Paul's spirit? It was idols. It was idol worship. What's his message? Jesus and the resurrection. He doesn't immediately come out and start talking about idols. He doesn't start telling people, idols can't get you to work. Don't you know this is an idol in your life? Don't you know this is wrong? This is not who Yahweh is. This is our God. Here's what he looks like. And you're worshiping false gods. What grieved him was idols. But his message with non-believers, he kept the gospel central and primary. My friend, the, the ministry of reconciliation, if you were gonna go into the world, and fulfill the great commission and go to the other side and go to people who you believe, who believe differently than you and think differently than you, we must work hard to keep forefront in our minds that the gospel is our priority. What grieved him was idols. What may be grieving you is not necessarily the fact that people aren't listening to the gospel. It might be a policy position. It might be a relational position. But when disagreeing with non-believers, not only do we gotta be unoffendable, we have to fight to, re to keep the gospel as our primary focus. They say he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. Verse 19, so they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. 
Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul disagrees with what he sees in Athens. He's got a thick skin. He doesn't start tossing. They start calling him a babbler. He's not calling him a babbler back. He's not telling him to jump out of his feed. He's not kicking him out of the conversation. He's got a thick skin and a soft heart. He's kept the gospel central and primary. And then I want, to see, I want you to see what happens. He gets invited to the Areopagus. Verse 19, they took him and brought him. Oof, in Jesus' name. I had to check myself because I was inserting myself into far more conversations than I was invited into. There's a desire in my heart to stand for truth, to stand for God's church, to preach the gospel. But I was inserting myself into conversations I wasn't invited into and I was convicted when the Holy Spirit pointed out to me in verse 19, they took him and brought him. He was unoffendable. He had a thick skin and a a soft heart toward these people. So what he did is he kept the gospel central and primary. And what it did is it, is it opened a door that he never could have opened. He didn't have to kick a door down. He didn't have to break into a room. A door was open to him. In the Areopagus, which was like Madison Square Garden in the day. This, this, was, like, this, this was a conversation on prime time with Don Lemon or whoever your person is. That's the only guy I could think of off the top of my head. Just interviewing just on primetime television, 10 p.m. This is a massive invitation. God will open doors to you that you could never open on your own. He will open doors to conversations with coworkers and with friends. God can unlock the door of their heart in ways that you never could. And in ways that if inserting yourself into conversations that you weren't invited into, God has a way of being able to soften people's hearts when we as ambassadors of reconciliation live with unoffendable spirits. And when we keep the gospel central and primary in our life, he was talking about Jesus and the resurrection when it was idolatry that bothered him. And it opened a door. It unlocked something for him. Number three in how to disagree well, I would say, be careful the conversations that you're inserting yourself into. I love that Paul was invited. Am I just inserting myself into things or am I being invited into the into relationship I'm being invited into conversations am I being invited into doors that I could never open with coworkers, friends relatives because I kept the gospel central and primary verse 22 so Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus said men of Athens I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Again, what bothered him? Idolatry. He gets to Athens, all kinds of idol worship. He's like, this ain't it. And it grieved him in his spirit. And I pray the Holy Spirit is ministering to some of you who you're grieved in your spirit. Things that when you're contending for truth and you're like, gosh, this is not right. And he was so grieved in his spirit about the idolatry that when he finally gets his chance, when he's finally invited into the conversation, this is beautiful. This is men of Athens. 
I perceive in every way that you're very religious. Why would he say this instead of saying, men of Athens, you are idol worshipers. You're worshiping false gods. You are dishonoring your bodies. Why would he start by saying, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious because he had a deep understanding that he had been given the ministry of reconciliation. So how does he start the conversation? Just trying to build a bridge. We would do well to find things in people that reflect the life and nature of God and to speak to those things and call out the nature of God in them. I'm reminded of Ezekiel chapter 37 where God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. He sees a valley of dry bones just laying out and God asks, son of man, can these bones live? And he says, oh Lord, only you know. And then God says, prophesy to the bones. So he prophesies to the bones and scripture says there was a sound, great sound rattling. He says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He starts prophesying and the bones start to rattle and come together. And they're standing there, bone, bone, sinews on sinews. Scripture says, but there was no breath in them. And so God tells Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy to the breath. So Ezekiel starts prophesying to the breath. O breath, come from the four winds. And scripture says, as the breath started to animate the bones. And it says, and then they became a great army. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. What's he doing? He's not talking policy. We need good policy. He's not talking character. We need good character. I totally understand all of that. But he's prophesying to the breath. And I would remind us, church, that we bring the breath to the party. They weren't an army until he started prophesying to the breath. The breath comes into the bones and what you bring to the conversation, any conversation you are in, what you bring is not just good bones. It's not just good policy. It's not just good structure. So many people can do that and we need it. What you uniquely bring to the table is the breath of God, the spirit of God, the word of God through you, the Holy Spirit working through you, that you bring the breath to the party. And so Paul starts bringing some breath to the men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. What's he doing here? He's still not even talking about idols. 
He's just going to first principles. He's talking about creation. He's talking about God who gave them the breath. He's bringing the breath to the party. He's, he's speaking to things that their ideologies, their idolatries, their sophisticated philosophies, none of it can answer. Why are you here? What were you created for? He starts speaking with the breath of God to who they were created to be. And then he says in verse 26, he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. Paul has this understanding that everyone that he interacts with is, they're, just, they're trying to feel their way toward God. So they're, they're putting faith in their ideologies and they're putting faith in their philosophies and they're, they're putting faith in self and they're putting faith in all these things that are not God, but Paul recognizes that it's not because they're hostile enemies, because they're trying to feel their way toward God. Everyone you interact with, non-believers, they desire, at a primal level, they desire to commune with God. It's baked into our DNA, the breath of God. Now remind some of us, I know this is ministering to somebody right now who, who you are in a scenario with a, with a family member, with a coworker, where there's some disagreement. And maybe you've lost sight of the fact that this is just somebody who's trying to feel their way toward God. They're in the dark. Scripture says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe and they're walking in darkness and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 29, he says, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that a divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and imagination of man. He just got to idolatry. So in case what you have been hearing this whole time is Pastor Justin invited this guy to come tell us to be nice to people and don't take a stand against you know, things that we disagree with. Paul doesn't soft shoe at all. But he also doesn't come in like a bull in a china shop. He remembers that he, has the, he is an ambassador of reconciliation. Verse 30 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who, has, who he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. In verse 32, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some of them mocked. You just gotta know that as you go into all the world, not everybody's gonna receive it. Not everybody will. He was mocked, but others said, others said, others said, we will hear you again about this. The last thing I want to leave with us, if you're going to be an ambassador of reconciliation, focus on the people who are listening. Some said, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Even when you keep the gospel central and primary, not everybody's going to receive it. But some said, we will hear you again about this. Verse 33, so Paul went out from their midst and some men joined him and believed. And he continued to spend time with those people. Ambassadors of reconciliation. Going to be unoffendable. Going to keep the gospel central primary 
You've got to be careful what you're inserting yourself into. And my last encouragement and admonition to us would be, there are a lot of people in your world who are receptive to the gospel. Spend time on those who are listening. Because if you're like me, it's really easy to get caught up in those who are not listening. Because I love a good quarrel, just like the next person. The sinful side of me loves to just hang out and quarreling and try and convince people who are different than me and try and win over. But there are so many people in my world, so many people in your world, so many people in this world who are hungry right now and receptive to the things of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I would encourage us and admonish us, focus time on those who are listening. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. God is making his appeal to the world through you. Not just us, the church, but through you. So I pray that this word has blessed you. I hope it's helped frame. I hope it's helped you thread the needle a little bit of how do I stand for truth in a world that I disagree with? How do I live out the Great Commission when so many things I interact with and come up against they seem to be so contrary to who God is and there's a passion in you to stand for truth and to do what's right. My friend, I encourage you to live with heaven in mind. God making his appeal through you to remember that everybody that you're interacting with who don't believe in Jesus is trying to feel their way toward God. Maybe that's you watching, listening, sitting there today. Maybe Maybe you would say, I'm not somebody who would call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just trying to feel your way. I believe the Holy Spirit can illuminate and enlighten and help you understand that that God is calling you toward him. He's reconciling you toward him, not counting your sin against you. That when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he washes you white as snow. He gives you a brand new start. You are invited into the kingdom of God, an upside down kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first. And if you wanna be the greatest, you gotta learn to be the least. And and we serve and we love and there's joy and peace and fullness and wholeness. In, in, In the midst of a broken and divided and angry world, you have an invitation into a kingdom where there's rest for your soul. So maybe you're here and you would say, Pastor, yeah, I want to be part of that kingdom. Well, I'd love to pray. I'm gonna pray together. I'm gonna ask all of you who are maybe sitting in a room together, maybe you've prayed this prayer before. I'm gonna ask that you would pray this out loud, that you would join the faith, your faith with the faith of those who are praying for the first time. Maybe you're sitting on your couch, maybe you're in your break room, but I just want you to take this moment with you and Jesus. If you're saying, Pastor, yes, I wanna be a part of that kingdom. I want life, I want wholeness, I want joy, I want fullness, I want peace. And my friend, it's available to you. Repent of your sin and receive Jesus. We're gonna pray together. I ask that you just repeat this after me. We pray, say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know that I've sinned and I need you. So come into my world. Be my leader. Be my Lord. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. 
Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use my life to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we praise God? Velocity Church, that's new life, baby. Let's praise God for new life together. I love you so much. I pray this has blessed you today.